This is one of the most popular questions I get asked and I help clients with. So I wanted to share some things that have worked for them and for me to spark some ideas for you. In this episode, I share seven things for you to consider or analyse to help you fill your group classes or courses. As you listen to this, my advice would be to make notes and pause after each step so that you can take a moment to think and consider how you can map it to your course, your class or your challenge. Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, and I'm so pleased you're here. As an education business owner myself and a former teacher, I understand the nuances that only apply to us. So in this podcast, I share fluff-free, tailored and actionable ideas that you can mould to suit your needs. If you'd like to take this conversation further, please do reach out. I would love to meet you. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review. That way, you'll be helping me help more people. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. In case you missed the very start of this episode, I'm going to run you through seven areas for you to look at to help you attract more people to your course or group class. And as you listen, I suggest that you take the time to really think about how each one could map to your situation. That way you can really mould it and tailor my advice. My first tip is for people who are just starting or thinking of stopping because they aren't attracting enough students. The tips to follow apply to everyone. So here I'm going to ask you to decide on your minimum capacity, as in how many students do you need as a minimum to run your class or your course? Now I've intentionally not asked how many students do you need as a minimum to make it worthwhile? Because when you're just starting out, sometimes running them for a low return can be a great investment. I don't know if you've been in this situation, but in the past, whenever I was feeling desperate to get a job, I would struggle. And then when I wasn't even looking, offers would come my way. I mean, six years after I stepped out of the classroom, I still get weekly emails from agents asking me to interview for teaching roles. The same can happen with your group classes and your courses. Once you have one student, there's a snowball effect because with the right marketing and promotion, having that one student attracts more. In fact, I hosted a roundtable discussion about this in my Facebook group and every one of us had exactly this experience. If you want to watch it, just click the link in the show notes. It's completely free. Also, something I experienced was recommendations. So I was running a course and I was worried about not getting enough students. I took a leap of faith and took the payment from one client, knowing that her son might end up being my only one in the course. But I also did something else, which was a game changer. I was honest with her and I said that I needed three students enrolled to run the course. So if she knew anyone who'd benefit to send them my way. The way I saw it was that she had paid the money, which meant that she really wanted her son to take my course. And that meant that it was in her interest as well as mine for it to go ahead. And here's what happened. She recommended four people to the course, out of which two signed up. So saying yes to one client multiplied into three. So if you're in the position to be able to, even if you don't get the number of enrolments you'd hoped for, run it anyway, because as I'll be sharing shortly, it gives you leverage to promote your class or your course. The second thing to consider is approaching your existing clients and how you do this or whether you can do this will depend on the structure of your business. 
When I launched my group classes, I offered them to my existing clients at a special discount and they really appreciated it. They felt really looked after. They were aware that the discount was only for the launch and if they wanted to carry on through the academic year, they'd pay the full price. Now, many of them signed up with the discount and then about half of them continued at full price. In fact, three years on, a few of them continued to have one-to-one classes with me as well as a weekly group class. Now, to be honest, I didn't know this was going to happen and it wasn't my plan when I offered them a discount. I just wanted to give them a discount. But a lesson learned has been that when you look after existing clients, they become repeat clients and this is one way to do it. And it's something I've repeated and it's worked again. When I launched the Tutors Mastermind, I offered five of my existing clients a special discount to be part of the launch. A year later, they're still members. And the reason why I've shared these first two tips is because it gives you that base to create that snowball effect, which leads me to my third tip, and that is to show plenty of social proof. Whether you're a tutor or not, whether you run group classes or a course, the situation is the same. People need to feel the confidence to buy. As tutors, we're still in a position where many are sceptical about the effectiveness of group classes and sometimes even more so with courses. Many believe one-to-one is the only effective way to teach and learn. If you run courses, say for adults, people generally have a wide choice of what to go for, so we need to help them to make a decision. So earlier I was saying how even running a class or course with one student can be an investment, and here's why. It gives you the opportunity to help people visualise what the experience will be like using real-life examples. This means you can show people how effective your offer is instead of just telling them. Now, if you just post pictures of your group class in action, you might attract some new students, but there is a way to strengthen that. I don't normally go into this in too much depth in a podcast episode because it's something I share with paying clients, but today I'll make a quick exception. A great place to start is by making a list of the questions people ask about your class or your course and objections they have. Basically, you need to give them confidence and to do that, you need to understand what they need reassurance about. When I launched group classes, the three recurring questions that kept cropping up were, what happens if my child misses a lesson? Will my child get chances to ask questions? And how do you give the students individual attention? So when I was thinking of what social proof to share, I decided to be driven by these three questions. Whenever I spoke about my group classes, I always emphasised how each lesson was recorded for replay. Now, that's just one way to tackle the issue of students missing classes. And in the roundtable discussion I mentioned earlier, we all had different ways we approach this. Remember, if you want to have a watch, the link is in the show notes. And when parents asked me whether students could ask questions and how I made sure individual needs were catered for, I found myself trying to explain teaching principles like differentiation, which was hard. So I circled back to that show, don't tell principle, and I created a collage of live footage that specifically demonstrated how I taught and how I made sure each student got my attention. In April, we focused on video content strategies in the Tutors Mastermind, because quite honestly, if you teach in any shape or form, video is the most accurate way to demonstrate how you do it. And that gives potential clients a tangible way to decide whether you're the right person for them. I could have published videos of me teaching, but this live footage was effective because I couldn't fake it. I was there with a group of students and I was only able to provide it because I focused on getting my group classes started over being fixated on how many students had signed up. 
Now, just on that subject, of course, running your class or your course has to be worthwhile for you. So I'm not saying to endlessly run it if it isn't worth your time. But what I am saying is that you do have to give it some time to build momentum in the first place. My fourth tip is something I touched on earlier, and that is to make sure that everything you convey is designed to give your potential clients confidence. In fact, this even applies to making sure that your class or course is delivered in a way that people will be receptive to. So I talked about the three main questions potential clients kept asking me about my group class and how I use that to decide how to frame my social proof. Well, the same applies to all your messaging, whether it's through marketing, your website, or even in conversation with potential clients. And it's not about mentioning it once, it's about repeating it. If I only mentioned how lessons were recorded on my website or once in my marketing, people may not remember it and many people won't even see it. So you have to keep repeating these core messages so that your audience absorbs them. And when you do, make sure you make clear the benefits. So instead of just saying my lessons were recorded, I would say things like lessons are recorded so you can catch up even if you miss a lesson or lessons are recorded for unlimited replay so you can go over what you've learned. So it's not about what you want them to know. It's about what they want to know. And if you don't speak to clients very often, so you're not sure about their questions, you can join things like Facebook groups where many of your potential clients are active and just observe what questions they ask and the comments they make. If you have your own Facebook group or community, or it feels appropriate to do it in someone else's, you can even run polls and ask questions to find out more about what your potential clients want. So related to understanding your potential client's objections and responding to that through your marketing and promotional content, it's also a good principle to follow when thinking of how to onboard them. So let's say you speak to someone who's really interested in buying, but they're still hesitating. Let's imagine they're saying, I'm just not sure if the group learning format would be right. Instead of it being an all or nothing situation, you could give them the option of paying for one or two lessons at the start instead of needing to commit to the whole term or the whole course. Dipping their toe in might be exactly what they need to feel confident to go for it. And this concept applies to so many situations. A client of mine has franchised her business and when we were talking about how to give potential franchisees confidence, we found ways to give them tasters of the work they would be doing and it made a really big difference in people having the confidence to take the conversation further and to sign up. So people often need a little try before you buy experience. They need to be able to visualise what it will be like working with you and it's even better if they can experience it beforehand too, which leads me to my sixth tip. As I talked about in my video about free taster sessions, the link is in the show notes if you'd like to watch, I'm not a huge fan of giving sessions away for free. I think it works in certain situations and some of my clients swear by them, but it's just not something I like to do. But whether you give it away for free or charge for it, having something in place where people can have some kind of taster is a really good idea. But it doesn't have to be in the form of letting someone join just one group lesson or an element of your course. You can do it in other ways too. So earlier I talked about video content and this is one of the ways you can give people an accurate experience of what it's like to work with you. So let's say you have a course that includes recorded videos. Having video content on something like YouTube or wherever, it gives people a great experience of that while you're using it as a marketing tool. 
Let's say you run group classes, you could run live events, you could run one-off group sessions or webinars, again, to just show the impact you can make, just how you solve their problems and to give them a try before you buy experience. In fact, when I was running my larger group classes, I ran occasional taster classes where people could buy a ticket for a discounted price to experience the group class format. And it worked really well. Most of the time, the people who attended booked. The way I see it is that it gave them the confidence they needed, which my marketing material wasn't quite doing a full job of. Now, my seventh tip is to analyse your pricing. And this is always a hard one to master. You may have heard me say this, but your price isn't just about your revenue. It's also a communication tool. You might, for instance, make your group class or course cheap because you want it to be accessible. But the message that might be going out there is that it isn't very good and that's why it's cheap. You also can't price yourself out of the market. So with this, you just have to experiment. There is no magic number. In fact, when I help clients with pricing, it's actually the very last thing we talk about because we first work out what's included, the benefits to the client, and then how it compares to everything else they offer. And that's another area to analyse. How does the price of your group class or course compare to everything else you offer, if you offer anything else? Say with me, I offer group classes and one-to-one tuition. My group classes are only marginally cheaper than my one-to-ones, because I need people to know that the quality of teaching and learning is just as high. But that concession covers the fact that individuals aren't necessarily getting my undivided attention in the same way they would in a one-to-one session. Now, when you're analysing your pricing, especially when you're comparing it to something like one-to-one sessions, you might genuinely find it hard to increase your group or course pricing because you do feel like it's second best to your premium offer. Although you might feel that way, remember what I said earlier, It doesn't matter what we think. You might think you're being ethical, but in reality, your low price might be putting people off. So you can either balance out your pricing a little more so that you're communicating just how strong your group class or your course is. And or you can look at ways to make your group or your course stronger. For instance, when I had my larger group classes, they were at half the price of what I charge for groups now. But since then, I have massively reduced my maximum capacity. Before, I used to take a maximum of 15 students. Now I take three students with the occasional fourth. So I know, and this is what I tell parents, that the students are getting the benefits of one-to-one time with me because of the small group size, while experiencing the benefits of a peer learning environment. Also, unlike before, people can't click a button and join my group class. I put them together according to what individual students need and their compatibility with one another. And that's why there's hardly a price difference between my group classes and my one-to-ones. And it's also why my clients don't mind. There is, of course, a teaching element to this as well that we can't just ignore. If there's a huge quality difference between your group classes or your course versus other offerings like one-to-one sessions, it is worth looking at the tools and techniques that you're using to deliver them. So there you have seven areas to consider to attract more clients to your group classes and courses. And if you want something more tailored, then please do reach out. The link to book a free call with me is in the show notes, as are the links I've mentioned throughout this episode. So a quick summary of the seven areas are, number one, think about your minimum capacity to create that snowball effect. It's not just about making it financially worthwhile, although that is also important. Number two, consider how you're approaching existing clients and get them on boarded. I talked about how I quite like to give them a discount. 
The third tip was to show plenty of social proof, which you can only, of course, do if you say yes to the clients, even if you haven't hit the capacity you wanted. And when you're doing this, be strategic so that your social proof actually sells for you. The fourth tip was to make sure that everything you communicate and convey is directed at giving people assurance and confidence to buy. A great way of doing this is to preempt objections. And sometimes people need a little more. So my fifth tip was to explore how you can encourage them to buy without committing to the whole thing in one go. And that led me to my sixth tip, which was to explore the different ways you can give people a try before you buy experience. And my seventh tip was to analyse your pricing from a perspective of thinking about what it communicates to your audience. I hope you found those useful and don't forget to check out the links to freebies around this topic in the show notes. As always, thank you for listening and you'll hear from me on Wednesday for the first PS episode, my new micro episodes for a quick business boost. Until then, would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas on tailoring your business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes.